About two months ago, um, I woke up feeling bad at home, and I was, uh, and, I, and I just had this incredible pain, and I just couldn't describe it. So, uh, to make a long story short, I went to my doctor, and I got checked. That they found two masses, one really, really large mass, and another smaller mass. And this has been about two months ago, and I didn't tell anybody. And the very first thing that my doctor told me, the very first thing he told me, says, listen, we're going to pray. My doctor said, we're going to pray. That's what he said. We're going to pray. But he said, I have to be honest with you. I've, I've got a lot of experience in this area. And when I've seen this, it's usually, from the looks of things, what I've seen so far is malignant. And it's, it looks definitely like cancer. So I carried that with me for quite a while. I didn't even tell my wife. At one point, I came in and I talked to a pastor and I told him what was going on. And we prayed about it. And then I went to, a, my doctor sent me to a specialist. And I went to the specialist and, and the report didn't come back good. It, it still came back that, you know, we, we're going to do some other stuff. But right now, it's malignant and it's definitely cancer. And so, I, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'd love to say... I would love to sit here and say that I had the strength of, I'd love to sit here and tell you that. I would love to be the one to say, you know, my, 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 my faith never wavered. I'd love to tell you that, but I'll be honest with you, I got scared. My, my father, who didn't own me and didn't claim me, didn't want anything to do with me. I met him when I was 18. And again, I saw him when I was 33, and he died that year of cancer. And it runs in our family. So all this stuff is running through my mind. And all I could think about was, God, when I was in the hospital, you told me that I had begun to dream the things that you had for me. You told me that. I remember you telling me that at 3 o'clock in the morning, Shake, you haven't begun to dream the things that I have for you. I remember that, so I held him to his word. I said, Lord, you told me that you have a promise and you have a purpose for my life and that I'm going to live and I'm going to do great things for the kingdom. You told me that. So I went to another specialist. And you know, they do the whole deal. They didn't want to do the biopsy because the reason, the main reason for it is because whenever they open anything and the air hits it, that thing just spreads. It just takes over. So my doctor said, Let's pray one more time. So we pray, and I'm, I'm going real fast. I'm going to the end of this because Monday I went, and I, they take you in, and you do all this testing. It was an all-day thing. And then I, when I finally got out um, Tuesday, I got the report. Benign, benign, benign. Thank you, Lord. Now listen, I don't know what that means to you. I don't know what that means to you, but that says to me that the devil is a liar, that the enemy has been defeated, and God is always a God of his word. You dance all hurt me. I am unaware 
tabernacle 
and later through the temple and the priesthood and all the rituals that surrounded it. And the centerpiece of all that was the Ark of the Covenant that was hidden in a room called the Holy of Holies, where the presence of God dwelt above a golden plate where two golden angels looked down. And they lost that. And then they got it back, and then they lost it again, and to this day they don't know where it is. And when Christ came, they had the temple, they had the form, but they had no ark. And because it was hidden, you couldn't see that it wasn't there. And when Christ came, He was the new ark. (laughs) He was the presence of God. He was God manifested in the flesh. And when He said it is finished, He had completed the work for our redemption. Having been, having been the priest for us and remains our priest forever. Aren't you glad about it? And when he died, the veil in the temple in Jerusalem ripped from the top to the bottom, revealing the fact we no longer need to observe that form of religion to relate to him, but also revealing the bankruptcy of his people because they had no ark. And that was revealed when the ark was, when the veil was ripped apart. Let the veil down. Let the praise go up because we have the presence of the Lord. We have Jesus. Aren't you glad about it? Amen. First John chapter 1. We've been speaking on the love of God and now we're transitioning to our love for others. And I'm hoping that every person here will be able to preach the love of God. That's why I'm doing so much repetition. Repetition is the mother of learning, a wise man said. God loves us so much. And Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church was that they would know the width, the depth, the length, and the height of God's love. And it's my prayer that he would, that prayer would be fulfilled in our lives as well. That we, we would know that God's love is so wide it can't be measured. His love is so wide that he takes our sins from us as far as the east is from the west. And that cannot be measured. His love is so long that he chose to love us when he predestined us for his kingdom at the dawn of time. And he's predestined us to be conformed to his image that we might rule and reign with him into the ages to come. Tell yourself, that's long. So God's love for you is wide and long. He's deep and wide. His love is so deep that He left His throne in glory, the Word did, and became flesh, came to Bethlehem. Lived in a land, he lived in the lowlands, as it were. Israel has some of the lowest land in terms of the earth's elevation there is. Taking the form of a servant, growing up in a God-forsaken village called Nazareth, and dying the death of a criminal to take our place to pay for our sins. That's love. And didn't stop there. Went into the ground. That's love. And his love is so high that he arose from the dead and has gone back to where he came from and has been given a name that is above every name that is named. When you measure that, the depths of his love to the height of his love, God's love is high, it's deep, it's long, and it's wide, 
and is focused upon you and me and us. It's my heart today, if you don't get anything, that you remember this. God loves you personally, you. Now, I know the imagery of our relationship with God deals with us as individuals, but it also deals with us corporately. Corporately, we as a people are the bride of Christ, not the brides. God's not a polygamist. He has one bride of Christ. For a person to say, I am the bride of Christ, it's not correct. You can say, we are the bride of Christ. Now, individually, we are the sons of God. And it would not be bad grammar or incorrect theology for a lady to say, I'm a son of God. You can also say you're a daughter of God. I mean, you guys get to have it both ways. But a son is the one that gets the inheritance. And we, corporately, are the sons of God. And individually, we are a son of God. And if you're a lady, you're also a daughter of God. So God loves us corporately, and he loves us individually. And the picture that we get to understand that is the, is the marriage between a husband and a wife and the relationship between a father and his son. God loves you personally. Years ago, I knew God loved me, but I needed to know that he loved me. I mean, I desperately needed to know that God really loved me. So one day I got real honest with him. I said, God, I know I'm one of your kids, but do you love me? Personally, do you know my address? I was just in a, in a, in a fog for a few days there and couldn't shake it. And so I thought I needed change. So I, I picked up a book that was written by a friend of mine that I thought didn't like me, that years earlier had given me this book. And the book was entitled, Pardon Me, Could You Spare Some Change? I thought, yeah, I could, man. i got to shake this thing. And I began to read when I got to about the middle way. I'm laying down on my bed. When I got about midway through the book, I opened a page, and two crisp $100 bills fall out of the book and hit my chest. And I burst into tears. It could not have, the timing of it was so significant. It could not have been more perfectly timed. That yes, God loves me, and my friend likes me too. <laughs> so I contacted him, apologized for not thanking him. I didn't know, but told him the timing of this thing. And, and he's very gracious, said, well, that's amazing how it all happened. I don't know what it will take for you to know that God loves you personally, but if you need that, tell the Father. You know, one day I hope to have grandchildren. One day I hope to have great-grandchildren. Be part of the gang in this church that has four generations. I just think that is awesome. Some Sundays all four generations are here with us. That, that, that just... Fulfillment of our name, that's awesome. God's the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. I mean, he's, that's awesome. But I would imagine when you get to great-great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren, you can't keep track of their birthdays. Or maybe even their full name might be difficult. And it's been many generations since Adam. And yet God has chosen to be a father, not a grandfather, a father 
to us all. If he was human, we'd all be great to the who knows what power, how many generations have been. If, if generations are, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But he is your father loves you. Amen? Have you found First John 1 yet? I love how John begins this book. It's similar to how he begins uh, John, his gospel. That which was from the beginning. He always starts at the beginning. Which we have heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us That which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 2 is a parenthetical statement. It's, you know, there's a hyphen on either end of that verse. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So we would not do damage to the text by reading verse 1 and verse 3. And allowing verse 2 to kind of stand on his own to modify what he's saying in those two verses. So let's read verse 1 again. He starts at the beginning. That which was from the beginning, which we have seen, which we have, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. Does anybody here wants to have full joy? This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. From all unrighteousness. He's not only able to forgive us, but he's able to cleanse us of the unrighteousness that makes us sinful. He's able to do it. But it begins by confessing our sins. And for that verse really to be activated, we've got to get down to the bottom of why we sin and confess that to him. Maybe you have a problem with lying. And you repent all day long about lying. And for some reason you just can't, you just can't shake it. Well... What is that? He's promised to cleanse you of that sin. You obviously have not gotten to the root of why you lie. Maybe you don't trust people, or maybe you don't believe God loves you. Maybe you're riddled with fear. And like an addiction that plays upon itself, every lie you tell, you've got to have to tell a bigger lie. And so get down to the bottom of why you're vulnerable to a certain temptation, and confess that to the Father. And he can bring healing to your soul, and cleansing can come, and you can be free. It's the truth. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 
my little children. For some reason, they put verse chapter 2 where it was. It's not where John put it. My little children, it's the same paragraph. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation or the full payment for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. For the whole world. Never, never, never allow a hyper Calvinist to tell you Jesus didn't die for the sins of the whole world. Don't do it. All right. We're going to speak this morning on the discovering of the love of God. My Webster's 1828 dictionary says the word discover means to uncover, to remove a covering, to disclose, to show, to make visible, to expose, to view something before unseen or concealed, to espy, to have the first sight of, to find out, to obtain the first knowledge of, to come to the knowledge of something sought or before unknown. To detect. The word discover literally means to learn something new that either you didn't know or somebody else didn't know, or to find something you lost to recover it. The word discover literally means to remove the covering off of that which was unknown. To discover. And my prayer today is that somebody here who doesn't know how much God loves them will discover, that is, The lack of knowledge we have, we're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. The lack of knowledge we have for the Father's love for us would be uncovered so you could be exposed to the full light of God's love. Amen? To discover. I'll show you what the word discover means. When you look at this photograph, you think, interesting, that guy almost ran his truck into a ditch. I checked this out with Snopes. This is not trick photography. His truck flipped over that culvert, and landed right side up on the edge of that ditch. Boy, he's a blessed guy, isn't he? But let's uncover or discover the picture a little more. We pan the camera camera away, and, oh, it's not quite a ditch. That's a big hole. Let's pan the camera away further to see what a miracle there is. You know, as human beings, we all think our perception's right. Jesus said the lamp of the body is the eye. If your eye is good, your body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your body is full of darkness. Be careful that the light in you is not darkness. Truck almost falls into a ditch, a hole, a chasm. It's a matter of perspective. We all don't see Everything we should see. But God, who is light, sees all. Amen. Look at our text today. Verses 5 through 7 of 1 John 1. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
Let's all say together, God is light. He is light. He is perfect light. The first thing he created was light. And he did so with his word. There's a psalm that says the entrance of his word gives light. Another psalm says his word is a light, is a lamp to our feet and a light to our pathway. God is light. This is not some weird New Age teaching, but just hear me out. The Bible says the devil appears, uh, will appear as an angel of light to deceive people. Uh, and he, he does that by deceiving people, thinking they've got a new revelation or new information and the church has been wrong about everything for centuries. Let's listen to this prophet who's got the light, got the truth. That's, that's demonic. God's always had a people. He's related to them through faith and repentance. And so our God is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, omniscient, meaning all-knowing, and omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere. And you could say it like this. God is um, all-powerful, all-seeing, and all-present. He's all-knowing because he sees all. He sees everything. And he sees everything because he is light. He has such an ability to see that before time began, he could look out of eternity into the future and see that man, you and I, would need a redeemer. And in meeting what he, the need that he saw, he predestined his son to come and be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God's able to do that because he sees all. He's able to see your heart and my heart. We're able to see, which is a reflection of God. We're part of his nature. But many times we don't see all. Obviously we can't see all, but we look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. Judgmentalism many times is related on what we see, but not how God sees Lust is a form of seeing. Ooh, yeah. That's what David thought when he saw Bathsheba. But what he didn't see, and this is, this is the context in which love really is blind. Love that becomes lust is blind to the consequences. What he didn't see was a heartache and pain that would come into his life if he seduced his neighbor's wife. That sin led to another sin, led to another sin. The whole problem he had with Absalom can be traced back to his deal with Bathsheba. And so, um, God is love and God is light. Because God is light, he sees everything. And because he sees everything, he moves and does things. Genesis 22 it's a story of Abraham offering up his son in obedience to God's request that he would offer his son up as a sacrifice. And at the last minute, the Bible says that um, the angel of the Lord stopped him and showed him a ram in the thicket caught by the horns in the thicket, which is a perfect picture of Christ who came and died in our place with thorns on his head. Uh, in the movies, you see the crown of thorns as kind of a wreath made that they put on his head. But I believe historically they actually made a, a hat out of a thorn bush and crammed that on his head. So he had more than just pain here. He had pain all over his head. 
He was the ram offered for us. And that place where Abraham offered his son was within eyesight of the hill. He was at Mount Moriah, which is within eyesight of Mount Calvary, where God would give his son. And it was at that place that God revealed himself to Abraham as Jehovah Jireh, which we interpretate, we interpretate, we interpret as the Lord my provider, right? Jehovah Jireh, my provider. That's what the song says. But literally, Jehovah Jireh means the Lord will see. Jehovah Jireh, Yahweh Yireh, depends on your pronunciation, means the Lord will see. The Lord saw Abraham's love and devotion to him, and the Lord saw a means for offering up a ram in the place of his son, and the Lord saw that centuries later his son would be offered up on a hill within eyesight where it could be seen. In the mount of the Lord he shall be seen. And it's interesting that Christ ministered on that very hill, bringing words of life to his people, Mount Moriah, and was offered up with an eyesight at Mount Calvary. So God sees, and he's called us to see. Look at this. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ's son cleanses us from all sin. Have you ever walked in a dark room, maybe even in your own house, and stubbed your toe so bad you thought it was broken? It's nice to have the lights on so you're able to see, so you can walk. Have you ever had a misunderstanding with someone? Someone misunderstood you, or you misunderstood them, but then peace came when the light of truth became uh, revealed to you? Anybody? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Fellowship is koinonia. It's more than just friendship, more than just a hearty handshake, more than just chit-chat. It's communion. It's relationships. We're able to have relationships with one another and sustain those relationships with the light of God operating in our life. So that when a misunderstanding happens, we don't just cut that person off. We don't, we shouldn't. We don't slander that person. No, we go to that person in light of the word and say, hey, I'm hurt. I'm offended. Hey, this is wrong. Let's talk. Let's get the light on this thing. If we don't, we're going to wind up in darkness and it will cut off our fellowship. You can be so sectarian that eventually you'll be all by yourself in life. And God didn't call any of us to be hermits, did he? Look at 1 John 4, verse 16 to 17. It says, God is love. You've seen that God is light. Now we're going to see God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. One day we are going to give an account for our life. And if we don't walk in love, judgment day is going to be a fearful thing. 
And that's not the Father's will. His will is for us to go to him and say, hey, Dad, I know I didn't live a perfect life, but, man, your love was so awesome. I began to give it away and, and look, look at what's happened. Because as he is, so are we in this world. God is love, and in this world we are to be loved. Are we not? Jesus said in uh, John, the world would know that we are his disciples by the way we dress. No. By how hard we work. No. Those things can be a a testimony. I mean, obviously we don't want to dress lewdly, and obviously we don't want to be slackers. He says, we'll be known by our love for one another. Verse 19, we love him because he first loved us. If anyone, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? So this is not a call to pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and start loving one another more, and we're going to have a big hug fest at the end of the sermon. No, this is a call to begin to pray and say, God, help me to see this annoying person the way you see him. And when that happens, it changes your heart. It's a perception thing. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. There is no, um, there's no plan B here. There's no martial law in place. Because we're in the last days, the love thing will let it go. My God, we're in emergency mode. We've got to survive. No, this is God's eternal word. It will always stand. And John's re- reminding us of it. That if we love God, we must love one another. The cross is vertical and horizontal. Vertically, Jesus stood between heaven and earth, hanging in that place to pay for our sin so that the separation between us and God could be forgiven. Verdict, uh, horizontally, he died for our sins against one another because as he's dying, he is forgiving us. So that in every direction and in every dimension, sin has been paid for. Grudge holding has no place in his kingdom. Love reigns. This does not mean that sin is okay. This does not mean when you forgive someone for um, wrecking your car that you offer to loan him your car anytime. No, obviously, maybe that person needs to learn to drive better before you trust them. Trust is built, but love is free. You don't trust me, Dad. You're right. I don't trust you. That's right. You have a problem, son. I used to tell that to my son. But you don't trust me like that's supposed to be a thing if I love him. No, trust is built, but love is given freely. The discovering of God's love is love sees. God saw you and I in our stuff. There's a verse uh, in the Old Testament, I saw you in your blood. He saw us in our mess. 
and demonstrates his love for us by dying for us while we were yet sinners, before we were even born, when we were going to be sinners. Think about that. He knew we were going to be born, and he knew we were going to sin, and he still made the way for us to be redeemed and saved from our sin. Why? Because he is light. He sees all, and he sees how his redemptive plan can work that he can populate a place called heaven with people who've been redeemed, who will live a life of love and devotion to him and one another, not because of some law that's going to be up there to keep us behaving, but because our hearts have been so transformed by his love that we can't help but love him and love one another. Heaven is a wonderful place. Jail is a bad place. The worst thing about being in jail isn't the bars. It's the people you're in there with. It's bad. In a lot of ways, county jail is worse than prison because you're cooped up for weeks and months, maybe even years, in a room with humanity's worst examples. Heaven's a wonderful place because you're there with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the angels and people who've learned how to love. And so... If we're to be people of his kingdom come, thy will be done. The first thing Jesus told us to pray for, this should be a taste of heaven. And so it is only possible if we learn how to go to one another when there's darkness trying to creep in and get our issues out in the light so that we can forgive one another. Can you see that? So because love sees, we need to want to see. I need to want to see. You ever been so mad you can't see straight? We need to want to see straight. So I've got to go clarify. You know, get the log out of my eye first and then go and show my brother or my sister the speck in their eye. It's blind spots that people have that makes them offensive. Love sees. Love covers. 1 Peter 4, as well as uh, Proverbs 10, have a verse that says, Love covers a multitude of sins. This, I believe, deals with the past. We love people in the present, and we, by God's help, will love them in the future. But in terms of their past, if we love them, we're going to cover their past. Not the parts of their past that's testimony, but the parts of their past that would bring shame. This is why when you bury the hatchet, you bury it. Cut the handle off and bury it. Don't sing that Garth Brooks song. You ever heard that song? The neighbor's lights came on last night, just like they always do. Every time we fight, it's getting to the place we just can't get along. When we bury the hatchet, we leave the handle sticking out. Oh, when we bury the hatchet, we leave the handle sticking out. We're always talking about things we should forget about. Anyway. Love covers. I had a pastor that used to say, bury the hatchet and cover it with sod. And don't get a metal detector. Love covers. So it's a matter of focusing, a matter of what you see. Love focuses. Love focuses on God's word. Love focuses on God's will. 
Love focuses on God's vision for your life so that we can be transformed and changed. I know it hurts. I know this is not an easy word, but I tell you what, the fruit of this is joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is awesome. It is awesome. Um, you ever been to some churches where the only good thing that happens was, was a dismissal? And it's like, why did people come here? Is it for the rush they get when the thing's over? Kind of like going to a haunted house. Thank God I'm out of here. Man, that was, that was fun. Let's do it again. It's a sick addiction. I don't believe it's God's will that, that we want to escape the church when he returns. We're going up with the church. Guess what? Billy Bob's going to be up there too. So work it out here. called to be mature. You don't want to be walking down the streets of heaven one day and pass by the angelic coffee shop and hear them in there laughing, telling stories about you anytime you walk by. Oh, yeah, see that guy? I was assigned to him for 70 years. He never could get along with anybody. Love focuses and love works. Love works. Love does stuff. Love is active. Faith without works is dead, and love without works isn't love. Teenage girls, those boys will tell you anything you want to hear. Boys, sometimes girls will tell you anything you want to hear. For selfish reasons. And by all means, don't have a boyfriend without a job. Amen. Make sure he can work. Love works. And so we're concluding with our announcement where we started. This Saturday morning from 9 to noon, we're meeting here at 9, at 9.30. We're going into the Sun Meadow subdivision and to do some work for the Lord. To meet some people and re-meet some people, encourage some people, pray with some folks, pick up some trash, mow some grass, and anything else. We're open to your ideas. You've got a lot of ideas to serve people. Join us here Wednesday for the Right Now campaign that we're having. And it will be a night when we'll be doing some brainstorming as to how we can show the love of God in practical ways. And so in conclusion, I'd like to show you a video. It's an edited video of what we did in that neighborhood a couple years ago.
Hey, fellas, you helping out? Yeah? You picking up trash? Yeah. You know you guys are on camera right now? You gonna do something funny for us? Do the Kung Fu. Yeah! Get it! V, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. You're doing good? So what are we doing today? Give us the scope. What's going on? Um, I'm picking up trash. You're picking up trash. Okay. And so why are you picking up trash? Um, because I want this place to be cleaner. You want this place to be cleaner? Absolutely. Better the, the quality of living around here. That's awesome. That's awesome. So who are you working with today? Um, I'm working with Joe and Pastor Alan. Joe and Pastor Alan. Excellent. Now tell the truth. Is it fun working with Elder Joe? Tell the truth, V. Yeah. You sure? Mm-hmm. Say no. <laughs> Say no. Yeah. She said no, people. She really said no in her heart. Okay, V. Well, we just thought we'd interview you for a second. You can get back to, to doing trash work, okay? Okay. Thanks so much. We actually had a Bible study a little while ago. Are you serious? <laughs> this is awesome. And uh, we have a young man who wants to Yes. Yeah. Another youth for your Nice. I need to meet this kid. Really she knew a lot about the words. That's awesome. That's awesome. You're also doing some trash cleanup along the way, which is awesome. Hi, how are you doing? Um, awesome. So you're about to go on another to another house, talk to them. Gotcha. I think we're going to hit this neighborhood pretty quickly. <laughs> I think we were going to hit it this quick. So anyway, that's awesome. That's awesome. So we got we're we're evangelizing. We're recruiting. We've got kids coming. We had a Bible study. Now, that's the first time, I think, for any of these outreaches. So that's awesome. Awesome. Anything you want to tell the people that for next year's Love Granberry or for any other outreach that we do? You will be blessed more than you know, more than you will be a blessing. We're having a great time. Fun. Remember the Great Commission. Go and preach the gospel to every living creature. Amen. Amen. We had a young man answer, young adult, and he said he had several family members in Iraq or about oh. to go to Iraq. So wow. We're going to be able to pray with him about. Now, where's Iraq? That's over halfway across the world. Is it Iraq or Iraq? Iraq. <laughs> that was for Iraq. Anything cool going on? You can, you can look over there at that big old pile of. That's actually like a two truckload pile. Nice. Nice. So I think we're definitely doing some good. Awesome. Well, let's see. We've had a Bible study that already took place this morning. Your wife led that. And Aaron. And Aaron. Uh-huh. And then we had one group that was praying for a woman who had breast cancer for healing there. And so we've had some awesome. Yeah, man. I'm done. You're done? I'm a soldier of the Lord. I'm a soldier of the Lord. Dance contest. woo So come join us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. In Jesus' name. And you go out and show His love everywhere. And when necessary, use words 
and especially show love to one another because the light that shines the farthest shines the brightest nearest home. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.